first of all, Rocco is uh, uh, one of the senior lawyers in Canada. Uh, he's been practicing law for over 35 years. He's got over 2,000 cases that he has argued in his career. I mean, it's, it's a very impressive portfolio that, that uh, Rocco Galati has. Uh, what, what many of your viewers may not know is that in 2014 and 15, Rocco was named one of the top 25 most influential lawyers uh, by the Canadian Lawyer magazine. So he's highly regarded by his colleagues. And in 2015, Rocco was awarded the Ontario Bar Association's President Award, which is the highest award that's given in the, in the practice of law in Ontario. And Rocco was the first lawyer to receive that award. Most of the awards, uh, all, previously, all the awards had gone to judges or to organizations that were advocating uh, uh, for, for legal matters. So, I mean, for Rocco to be the first lawyer to be recognized by the Law Ontario Bar Association indicates the stature of this man. Um, there is a well-funded, well-organized, orchestrated effort to take this man down. And I suggest the reason for that, Daniel, is because he is the uh, from a legal perspective, he is the most senior lawyer in Canada that has the ability to expose what we've gone through uh, with the egregious violations by our governments over the last four years. And uh, we'll spend time talking about that today, Tanya, but it, it's no accident to me that Rock has been the target of these kinds of attacks. <clears throat> It's always such a pleasure to have Ted Kuntz on the Empower Hour. Ted is a retired psychotherapist with more than 25 years experience as a clinician and consultant. He's a father, grandfather, medical choice activist, author, and educator. He holds a master's degree in counseling and is currently the president of Vaccine Choice Canada, as well as the chair of the National Citizens Inquiry. Ted's journey to examine the claims of the vaccine industry began after his son, Joshua, was neurologically injured by the DPT injection in 18, 1984. Over the years, Ted has learned that the medical industry has been systematically and intentionally dishonest with health, consu health consumers on the safety, efficacy, and necessity of vaccinations. He believes that the organized and intentional effort to deny citizens their right to make medical decisions for themselves and their children is one of the greatest threats to humanity today. And he knows that if we lose the capacity for choice over what is injected into our bodies, then we are no longer free citizens. Ted courageously advocates for our medical choices and demands honesty, transparency, and accountability from the medical system. And we're so thrilled you can join us tonight. Mm. Will you all please help me welcome Ted Kuntz. Ted, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Empower Hour. Well, Heather, thank you for all of those lovely things that you said. Lovely to be here, Tanya. I'm listening to all the things that you're doing. You're very uh, inspirational. You're, you're making such a difference in Canada. So kudos to you and your thousands of volunteers that make Action Canada what it is. Yeah, thank you so much, Ted. And it's so good to have you on the show. I didn't realize how long it had been since uh, you had been last with us on the Empower Hour. So this is long overdue. I know that you and I were saying, um, you know, that this is not ideal situation, the, the topic that we're going to be addressing tonight. And none of us want to have to have this conversation. But someone we care about very deeply 
has been viciously attacked for about three and a half years, um, including uh, you and myself. And uh, so we have not spoken out about this. Even when I was being attacked on social media, I always ignored it because I always felt it it just was a distraction and took me away from the important work that, uh, you know, that both of us have been doing. We're going to be highlighting some of that uh, uh, information as well. You with the National Citizens Inquiry, myself with some of the uh, calls to actions. We're going to cover that. We are going to highlight it because the individuals behind this have uh, belittled us and tried tried to malign us and, you know, mm-hmm. smear our names and the work that we're doing rather than highlighting the success that we've been having because of it. So it is a topic. Um, we are called to expose evil. And I think this agenda uh, has been very evil. I want to start, I'm just going to share my screen here. And I've got a bio of uh, Rocco that's available. And, you know, we, we, we decided to retain Rocco for a reason. It, he is so qualified, and I'm going to hand it over to you to let our viewers know exactly what this man is made of. Well, first of all, Rocco is uh, one of the senior lawyers in Canada. Uh, he's been practicing law for over 35 years. He's got over 2,000 cases that he has argued in his career. I mean, it's it's a very impressive portfolio that, that uh, Rocco Galati has. Uh, what, what many of your viewers may not know is that in 2014 and 15, Rocco was named one of the top 25 most influential lawyers uh, by the Canadian Lawyer magazine. So he's highly regarded by his colleagues. And in 2015, Rocco was awarded the Ontario Bar Association's President Award, which is the highest award that's given in the, in the practice of law in Ontario and Rocco was the first lawyer to receive that award. Most of the awards, uh, all, previously, all the awards had gone to judges or to organizations that were advocating uh, uh, for, for legal matters. So, I mean, for Rocco to be the first lawyer to be recognized by the Law Ontario Bar Association indicates the stature of this man. And, uh, you know, it grieves me, uh, you, you said it in your opening comments, Tanya, it, it grieves me deeply that we have to have this conversation. But to see a colleague, uh, a, a warrior that has dedicated his life to Canadians, to uh, protecting the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, to see him so egregiously defamed, um, w- someone needs to stand up. And Tanya, I think you and I are good people to do that because we have retained Rocco we know his character. Uh, Vaccine Choice Canada, uh, you know, we've actually had a long history with Rocco, nine years. We, we began, uh, we re- first retained Rocco back in 2015. <clears throat> and so uh, those that, um, you know, attack Rocco, what I've come to appreciate is that um, there is a well-funded, well-organized, orchestrated effort to take this man down. And I suggest the reason for that, Tanya, is because he is the... Uh, from a legal perspective, he is the most senior lawyer in Canada that has the ability to expose what we've gone through uh, with the egregious violations by our governments over the last four years. And uh, we'll I spend agree. time talking about that today, Tanya, but it, it's no accident to me that Rock has been the target of these kinds of attacks. I I so 100% agree with you. And Ted, I mean, we both met 
Rockland person. I've I've spent time when I was there in August 2021, met his wife and his family, and uh, he is a genuine family man. Mm. He cares for his kids. He could be retired. He could be practicing, uh, you know, another, what was the law? Uh, was it tax law? Uh, yes. He was in and making lots of money, and he's not doing that. He is in this because he understands that we are in a war for the very uh, uh, protection of this great nation. And uh, so he is he is in this with us, and that's why it has been so discouraging to watch this vicious attack from the sidelines and constantly affecting our donations, affecting. And one of the major reasons, I don't care what people say about me. I'm, I mean, you know, they made the, it doesn't hurt me. It's like, I've got this armor on me and it bounces off and I rock the same. But what upsets me is, is that at a time when Canadians were so vulnerable and wanting to know that there is somebody out there fighting on their behalf and working mm. really hard in the most genuine way, we've got this small mob that were there undermining our work, bringing into question our integrity, and and shaking some of these people to the core. And I think that that was cruel and insensitive. And so anyways, we're going to try to dig down a little bit and finally expose some of what has been going on. As I say, I think we have a duty to expose the evil. And I think where we're going to go from here is first, uh, before we get to that, I want to talk about the wins from the cases like you were mentioning about i i believe that rocco they fear rocco actually ending up in the courts that's why they delayed when we filed um action for canada's notice of civil claim they needed their notice of defense their statement of defense and they they just wouldn't apply it and of course what do they always do they they first go for a um a motion to strike and so then right. that delays you another six months or a year. You've just gone through that. The judge in your case will get to it. But by making that decision, I'll leave that to you to uh, report on. But then there's this full delay. And I'm sure he knew already before going into court six months ago who was going to be in that court and, uh, you know, where where the breach would have been. But let's talk about some of the cases in the wind. So first of all, I want to let people know that the federal workers case, despite what the little mob is saying, is still in the courts. In fact, most of all of Rocco's cases are the only ones before the case based on their merit. And the federal workers, uh, what had happened there is the judge struck the union workers from being uh, able to be in the case, but Rock was appealing that. But currently there are 240 non-union workers still in that case. It is still proceeding. The hospital workers case is still active. Uh, when the arrive can was going on. Rocco, I believe it was in April, he had filed for the federal workers, and then he had gone overseas for treatments in uh, 2022, I believe that was. Yes, in 2022, because of course, uh, his time in the hospital, he almost died three times. I mean, it was very critical, again, while the mob was making light and questioning the legitimacy of it. So when he was overseas making treatments, he had in September of 2022, written to the court and say, look, you need to get me into court. I want a date by the time I come back. And next thing you know, as he was, of course, it involved the Arrive Can app, all of a sudden they give him a date for October 3rd 
and the liberal government mm-hmm. announces on October that as of this was in September, shortly after the call and he got the date, they they announced it was all through the media that they were lifting the arrive can as of October 1st. So they didn't want to address the arrive can on October 3rd when he got into court. So to me, I give Rocco credit, full credit for that. I know that there's other cases, uh, you know, that were going on. Plus, Action for Canada had our notices, our mobility notices of liability. And we had so much success of people coming back into Canada, having the notice of liability, not providing any information to uh, the border guards and simply coming back in without any fines. Those who had fines, we successfully, with the help of David Lindsay, got those fines overturned. And nobody had to, you know, pay thousands of dollars for a lawyer to help them to do this. It was just by asserting and applying, you know, our charter rights. Okay, so then um, I want to now go to the Ontario. You filed in July of 2020. Tell us what your case was about and what happened after that. Well, first of all, you know, it was never our intention at Vaccine Choice Canada to be getting into legal matters like this. Um, but when when all of these, the tyranny really that began uh, in, in 2020, I, I think many members of Vaccine Choice Canada were early to recognize the egregious violations of our government because they had witnessed or experienced the violations in, in terms of vaccine mandates and the harm that was to our children. So th- our membership is made up of people that are skeptical of of, of our government. And I, I think we saw what was happening probably before most Canadians. And so we, we, we heard from many of our members who said, somebody's got to do something about this. And so we uh, made a decision and we went out looking for a lawyer. And after uh, speaking to a number of lawyers, we made a decision to retain Rocco Galati because we absolutely believe that he was the best person that could bring our case forward. And then as a board of directors, we had many conversations, Tanya, about what the scope of that action would be. And, you know, there was reasons to to think that we should narrow the scope, make it uh, very uh, specific and defined. Um, But what we saw or what we thought was that the world needs to understand that this is a global phenomenon. This isn't just happening in Ontario. It's not just happening in Canada. And that this is there's a control agenda here. And we made a conscious decision as the board of directors of Vaccine Choice Canada to instruct Rocco Galati to speak to the global agenda. And, you know, many criticized the statement of claim that Rocco produced. It was it was a very long statement of claim. It exceeded the standard that happens within the legal profession. But we felt, um, and and we did this knowingly, that the information needed to get out there, that we needed to put on the public record the action of the World Health Organization, the action of the World Economic Forum, how this was happening globally, that there there really was a conspiracy uh, against the the rights and freedoms of citizens globally. And uh, God bless Rocco Gladi, because he he was the... uh, one person that I felt could speak to the global agenda. Um, and from that perspective, we feel like that statement of claim was probably instrumental in educating and waking up thousands, if not tens of thousands of Canadians, that there was a bigger agenda at play here. So I, I think uh, by itself, the statement of claim served an incredible purpose. One of the actions that we were uh, speaking to in that 
statement of claim was the the masking of of citizens. And that's one of those cases where uh, the government, after uh, we filed our action, they uh, modified the legislation to permit very generous exemptions to masking in Ontario, such that anyone who didn't want to mask uh, had the ability to, to receive an exemption. And so I, I have no doubt that uh, the change in the legislation to expand the, the scope of exemptions for masking was a direct result of the statement of claim that we filed. Uh, I would say the third thing, Tanya, is that, you know, before this action, um, probably only about two to three percent of Canadians were what I would call vaccine risk aware. Um, and we were, you know, Rocco has teased us a few times saying that the best thing that ever happened to Vaccine Choice Canada was COVID because that awakened so many more Canadians. And, you know, the the percentage of the Canadian population that is now what I would call vaccine risk aware is somewhere between 25 and 30 percent. And it may be even higher than that. And again, I have no doubt that the the work that we've done with Rocco and through Vaccine Choice Canada was instrumental in having people begin to ask questions about the 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 whole science behind vaccination, its safety profile, its efficacy, and its necessity. And you know what I know and our members know very well is that when you do your homework, you recognize that this is a, a medical paradigm that's built on fraud. And I, I can't think of anybody better than Rocco to help to expose fraud. So, you know, there's many more examples of how those actions, the statement of claims, helped to shift government. I mean, they they could hear the footsteps of Rocco Bellotti coming. I have no doubt about that. I know that they're afraid of him. They don't want him, as you said, Tanya, they don't want him to be in a court. I have seen the stacks of uh, affidavits that he has secured from experts from around the world. Uh, the stack that I saw was probably 10 to 15 feet high. Uh, so he was prepared to argue the case. And as you described earlier, uh, one of the tactics of government, they, they, they don't want to be uh, have their narrative questioned in a court of law. They don't want to be questioned by international experts. And they use every tactic to delay. And they did that with us. They uh, they had been threatening to file a motion to strike for actually a couple of years. Rocco finally gave them a deadline saying, this is your deadline. They decided to file a motion to strike. We were in court last week with Rocco. And uh, for those that may not have followed that, uh, the judge, uh, the, the, the case, uh, the hearing lasted at the maximum 15 minutes. The, the judge recused himself from the hearing saying that he's personal friends and colleagues with the Minister of Health in Ontario, and that uh, that impacts his ability to be impartial. Uh, and then the kicker was, is that he said that he looked at the uh, registrar of available dates, and the first available date is May of 2025. Um, you know, the it's good criminal. news is, is that the, the government didn't get a chance to strike uh, our case. The bad news is, is Rocco didn't get a chance to argue it. And I have no doubt that they don't want him to argue the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, as if he didn't know that he had a relationship with the health officer prior to this, as, you know, the case was proceeding and had every opportunity well, to have another judge oversee it that day. Well, and I asked Rocco about that because, you know, this this smells, right? It, it, it doesn't pass the uh, integrity <laughs> test. Uh, and, 
Rocco said that judges are, are are only appointed with a couple of days' notice. Uh, apparently, this judge tried to find another available judge. You know, I, I actually think that this speaks larger than this specific judge. I think this speaks to the court system. And uh, the you know, I, I, I have to admit that my confidence in our judges following the rule of law has been severely compromised over these last three years. It has. And if it hadn't been for Judge Mosley's uh, recent decision, I think we'd lose all hope. And I'm I'm thinking that there's a lot of judges in Canada who love this country and, and want to maintain the future for their kids and grandkids. And I think this is a wake up call for them is to how much do you love your position on the bench? Because these are these things are falling apart. The house of COVID is coming down and Justin Trudeau is going to jail. There's going to be they're going to be held to an account. I mean, this kind of tyranny cannot last. And we see what's going on, as I said in the uh, weekly news update of what's happening in countries around the world. And we're going to get pr- keep pressing on. And then you got the peanut gallery over here that are smearing us for not being in court because we see uh, law firms like the JCCF, Democracy Fund, the rest of them who are in the courts and, and moving along. Um, and God bless them for doing that. But, uh, you know, the JCCF has lost the majority. And I'm not criticizing them. They've lost something like 200 cases the majority and the wins what they're calling wins they've negotiated a deal and it was to strike and again i'm not criticizing because there were pastors who had astronomical charges against them but you know when you say okay we're the court saying okay we're going the crown is saying we're we'll dismiss those charges but then make a donation to your favorite charity that doesn't set a precedent for the rest of us so they're basically no further ahead than Rocco is and we're that steady eddy just moving along waiting for our opportunity to come so that we can be in court and when we went to our motion the motion to strike and Rocco I mean he was so weak but he did such an amazing job in April of 2022 and he he just he just uh, he just outnumbered them like there was probably a dozen you know lawyers in in the room but the way that he managed his part was phenomenal i'd never seen him in action and i thought man i'm so glad we retained him and when the when one of the lawyers for the other side were was speaking he was going through our notice of of claim and i'm like is he on our side or theirs? He sounded like he was defending us because as if it was conspiracy theory, you know, that people wouldn't have access to restaurants. And and it was like, of course, we'd been through years of nobody having access to restaurants by the time he gets in and he sounded like quite a fool. And and so I look forward to um, our opportunity. Uh, do you want to add anything before I ca- I'm going to go well, on now to Action for Canada's or? Um, OK, yeah, I just I just want to speak for a minute to what you, you said, something that triggered a thought that I had is. Uh, you know, when we did our statement of claim in July of 2020, we were the first ones to come out and actually file legal proceedings against the governments. And as I said, we included the global agenda. We 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 spoke about all of these things about the ability to to have a di- digital currency, digital ID, vaccine mandates, and we were criticized heavily for being uh, you know conspiracy theorists. And, you know, as, as somehow that we were fringe and, you know, we were just delusional. And I, I spoke with Rocco maybe about six months ago and I said, um, have you reviewed our statement of claim recently? And, and was there anything in our statement of claim that is not borne out to be true? And he said, Ted, everything that we said in our statement of claim has come out uh, um, as uh, uh, as the truth. And mm-hmm. so. 
you know, and, and, and again, I want to acknowledge Rocco Galati. You know, he he's way ahead of us in, in understanding or recognizing the tyranny of governments. He told me four years ago, he said, Ted, governments are the most dangerous organizations in the world. And, you know, when I first heard that, it kind of took me by surprise because, you know, as a Canadian, we think, oh, we've got good government and we've got a charter of rights and freedoms. And, you know, we have a medical system. And I, I have to say is that I, I feel like I was a naive little schoolboy four years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, governments are dangerous organizations and we have to treat them uh, with uh, suspicion. We we have to be on guard. And, and it goes back to our even... You know, the Canadian, uh, you know, uh, anthem is that we have to stand on guard. And, and yes. the enemy is is rarely from the outside. It's from within. And boy, mm -hmm. this has been a time of learning, hasn't it? It has been. Yeah, I was so green prior to this. Uh, I've been at this since 2015. And uh, I, I look at it, you know, I was a mom raising my kids, like really like just go into church, minding my own business, very shy, and just wrote a first letter to my MP about the legalization of marijuana. And it just, you know, continued uh, until Action for Canada was founded in uh, 2019, and then right into 2020, walking into this war. And I knew instantly, because I had been fighting pre-COVID against the sexualization of our children, against the Islamization of Canada, against uh, um, mass immigration, them softening our laws against sexual predators. I mean, there was so much going on and things. We're going to be talking about Kip Warner and Alexander Moore. And even in this report, Kip was, uh, you know, criticizing all the things that I cover. And it's like, give your head a shake. You know, the government was uh, slowly defying our democracy and our charter running roughshod all over all sections of it uh, before anybody, you know, even knew about COVID-19. And in March of 2020, because I was aware of it, I wrote a report called Government Corruption and Colluding with a Foreign Syndicate. And it uh, was Trudeau's alignments with Soros and Gates and what was going to happen to the elderly and businesses and our kids. Everything is dead on. I look back at that report from four years ago, and we sent it to every single premier in this country. And I've always said that, you know what, they're on notice because may, they may be making good decisions right now for, as for parental rights. Um, but you know what, they were part of the tyranny. And they were informed yeah. through this report and asked to do something about it. And then uh, that was March, April, I launched it. And then in April-ish is when you, uh, Vaccine Choice Canada, was appealing to the uh, government, uh, uh, provincial government of New Brunswick, because they were wanting to have mandated vaccines for children. And that's how I had reached out to you and said, hey, do you need a hand? I kind of like do these calls to actions. How can I help? And it it was at that time, just shortly after that, June, when B.C. provincial government implemented the Emergencies Act, unlawfully ran it through second and third reading right away before anybody and then other provinces all followed suit. And I had in July, because you guys had just filed, I was looking for a lawyer because I was getting that nudge inside thinking we have got to take legal action against this Bill 19 here in BC. And I had contact with the JCCF. I'd always previously supported them and I was talking to one of their lawyers. So this is after months, knowing that it was, uh, you know, a fraud. And I didn't choose them because at that time, their office was still divided 50-50, the lawyer told me, as to whether or not COVID was real. And I thought, how can I go into a battle this large 
you know, with that kind of a mindset. So they weren't ready for it. And when I talked to several other lawyers, same thing. And when I talked to Rocco five minutes and I thought, oh my goodness, he sees the global agenda. And so I proceeded. And then by September, you and I were on the streets of the art gallery in Vancouver. I was shaking. My little hand was shaking. I'd never talked in front of people before. And I was so grateful to have you there with me, Ted, and then made that announcement. And people were so gracious. Uh, I've never, I'm the type of person that has all my bills paid at the end of the month and to have taken this on. And I want to make sure people understand every lawyer I spoke to who was giving us a flat rate to do a constitutional challenge quoted us the same amount. And all of them said, you need to raise half of the funds first because we're not going to do a constitutional challenge of this magnitude against this kind of corruption if you can't raise funds. So I was beating the ground, you know, raising the money. And we're going to get to that in a minute because that will be where KIP enters. But first, what I want to do is I'm just going to cover Action for Canada's legal action where we then in August of 2021 filed in the BC courts and um, what had happened immediately is we have BC ferries, which is the, it's like Highway 1. It's like cutting off Highway 1 and you can't get to the island. Well, BC ferries, I called them the na uh, mask Nazis. I mean, cruel, what they would pe put people through with terrible asthma, forcing them. They couldn't sit in their cars. They had to go and, you know, up and walk up all of these stairs, new elevators. It was just really, really cruel, uh, banning people from taking the ferries. So they were included in our um, st uh, statement of claim as uh, defendants. And, and then so was the Minister of Education, Jennifer Whiteside. And when we filed in August of 2021, in September, Bonnie Henry... Uh, our health officer here in BC was, you know, mandating the vax for everybody and blah, blah, blah. But Jennifer Whiteside never mandated it for teachers and school staff. They ended up saying that the school boards had to have elections. And I'm just going to uh, bring up my screen for a moment and share that page. I'm just going to scoot to where that... Uh that is. So first of all, here's the notices of liability. And it we we started to um, get these going in 2021. Prior to us filing the notice of civil claim, we were getting masks off kids, we were saving people's jobs. I mean, it was just amazing. And as evidence, we had set up a page under here, uh, notice of liability testimonials, and you could go down below. And I mean, it was it's not even a fraction of uh, people's testimonies. But but there were individuals that were writing us and saying, thanks to Action for Canada. Mm -hmm. I was either able to see a loved one. I got masks on my kids, whatever it was. You saved my job, etc." And then we did a huge campaign in the schools. Since Jennifer Whiteside wasn't going to take this on and mandate it, it was up to the uh, school board. So we wrote and sent a notice of liability. And I did a further cover letter to every single school board trustee. There's 60 districts in BC. Every trustee got the notice of liability and they began to vote whether or not the school staff and uh, teachers should have the jab. And we went months in this battle going nose to nose, I did with Bonnie Henry in further letters that I was writing and school boards started to vote and they started to vote one after another and 30 school boards voted no. One voted yes and then reversed their decision and by March, Bonnie Henry had lifted it and we never, we had to really fight to find their vote and so they never implemented it in and so unfortunately, of course, there was school staff that took it not knowing, wanting to save their job or thinking they were doing the right thing uh, but there's many 
many others. I came across a couple recently who both came up. They both worked for a local school district and hugged me and said, thank you so much. We both work for the school district. We both would have lost our jobs. And and so this is what happens when we assert our rights. Uh, we've also had incredible wins on the SOGI. We got it shut down along with other groups in uh, Saskatchewan. And we're working against the uh, immigration, mass immigration. And this is what we look like for our viewers nationwide. So where I want to go from here, Ted, is um, then the other thing I didn't finish with BC Ferries as well is BC Ferries was going to implement a vax mandate. In other words, you couldn't take the ferry unless you showed a vax pass. Anyways, they revoked it. They never did. And I believe it was a direct result because it happened in September. They never implemented it. And I believe it was because of Rocco's expertise in putting our statement of claim together. And I mean, Rock, uh, Ted, you talk about, I think yours was 168 uh, pages, if I'm not mistaken, and Action for Canada comes along with 391. And boy, have we been smeared and slammed because of that. But like you, we said, this is not a BC problem. It's not a Canada problem. It's a global problem. So all of that information is filed within the courts now. And uh, you know what? We'll see where it goes. Other people have filed 25 page affidavits. Good for them. And I've always said, I wish everybody the best of luck. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a gal by the name of Alexandra Moore. And she uh, writes, I think uh, Canuck Law is her organization. She writes as if she's a lawyer. And she has, I'm going to come up with a link in a minute. And she has attacked Rocco repeatedly for the last uh, nearly four years. But the interesting thing is, is that on July 17th of 2020, Alexandra Moore filed a notice of civil claim in response to the COVID-19 mandates. So that's interesting. And here on July 27th, 2020, she ended up filing a notice of discontinuance. But then on October 5th, of 2020, she filed a notice of civil claim. Now, interestingly, this, this claim has gone nowhere. She has not proceeded with it to the best of our knowledge, but she has spent the last four years smearing Rocco and everybody else. So this is Canuck Law. And, and along with everybody else, you know, she makes those comments, the freedom lawsuits, how much money has been thrown away on them. And understand the language of what these individuals are doing. This is like psychological, military-style warfare against the citizens of Canada, against Rocco, against Vaccine Choice Canada, against myself, Children's Health Defense. She goes on then and uh, starts talking about what they perceive has been paid to Rocco. And, uh, you know, never have they gone. I'm, I think in, again, nothing against JCCF, but they've, uh, I think in donations, they raised something like $7 million in 2022. I'm not sure how much in 2023. And, you know, the cases have proceeded. Nobody's under the gun. Nobody's talked to Rebel News and Ezra Levant about the millions of dollars he raised uh, representing Arter Pulowski. Not all of that money, of course, has gone to Arter Pulowski. They have targeted Rocco. That's the only reason I'm bringing up these other organizations. So for an individual whose case has gone absolutely nowhere, I think that this is very, very important to ask why would she be specifically at, uh, att attacking uh, Rocco. One, one lawyer. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's, 
hundreds of lawyers across Canada, and as you mentioned earlier, Tanya, is you know their track record is not is not stellar. Uh, yeah, and and I don't I don't blame the lawyers for that. I mean, I've said, and and these are Rocco's words as well, is that you know the the judges follow the culture, the politicians follow the culture, and the culture over the last four years has been the narrative of safe and effective, uh, roll up your sleeve to be a good citizen, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, you know, it, it makes sense that they were going to lose because the rule of law was not followed over the last four years. But th- these attacks uh, are on one person, and you have to ask the question why they're singularly focused on Rocco Galati. Well, and and that's exactly right, Ted. And she brings up the CSASPP, which is Kip Warner, whom we're going to be talking about. She she never has anything negative to say about him. And yet he, um, I always say, like, could it be that Alexander Moore is colluding with Kip Warner? And actually, in the cross-examination that Rocco had, because he has filed a defamation uh, suit against Kip, we're going to dig into the reasons as to why. But Kip admitted in his cross-examination that he had constant contact with Alexander Moore. And when you and I went to do a cross-examination back in July with a case against Alexander Moore, because these two have been tag-teaming, and it's really done a number on anybody that follows their work, and uh, she ends up inviting Kip Warner into the cross-examination with others who wouldn't reveal themselves. So we, you and I, Rocco, chose not to proceed with the cross-examination because we're like, this guy is attacking us He's smearing us, and he's in a cross-examination. This is this is in violation of the policy of the cross-examination. This isn't open for public review. Tanya, it wasn't us that chose not to proceed with a cross-examination. That's right. It was Amanda Moore. Um, I know that you took the same position I did. There were people that were in that hearing that didn't belong there, and they refused to identify themselves, and they refused to leave. And my That's position right. was, is um, you know, Kip, uh, Amanda Moore and her lawyer ha- have a right to be there, as well as myself and my lawyer. Um, and the others need to go. And uh, yes. she refused to dismiss them. And to me, that was a violation of the fundamentals of a uh, of due process. And so, um, I just want to be clear that I-, I was more than willing to testify. Yeah, thank you for correcting me on the way that I said that, uh, Ted, 100%. We did. I said myself I was willing to proceed, but I wasn't going to do so if these individuals, you know, remained in the room. And I think it was a matter, who knows what their intentions were, intimidation, I'm not too sure. Um, But okay, so now we're going to dig into uh, Kip Warner is the reason that we're here. Uh, This is this individual. The information that I'm about to show, as it says here, is you can do a Google search as of February 3rd, we found all of this information. Um, he has a his professional experiences, Cardition Theater, Vancouver, British Columbia. He, he lives here uh, locally to where I am. And it says certification. I'm going to just back up uh, just a little bit of a smidge. So I know that when uh, in Rocco's affidavit, uh, it, it makes it out that as if, you know, why he wasn't dealing with Rocco. And it's like Rocco had no idea who he was until he started interfering with our cases and inserting himself, uh, you know, in the business that we were doing. And so the, uh, the uh, sorry, the uh, resume that we're showing here, it shows that what the bottom line is that Kip 
is uh, aligned with an organization that he cites certification with a company called Open Power Foundation. You can see that it says Open Power Certified. In addition, when you click through these links, it'll go Open Power Foundation. He repeats it throughout the Carters and Theater, artificial intelligence. He he professes to be an artificial intelligence expert, uh, stimulates artificial life in big cities. That's kind of interesting. But we're just going to keep scooting down to the bottom uh, because we provide some screenshots. Again, Open Power Foundation. He is also ex-military, uh, Royal Canadian Interf in Infantry as a second lieutenant. I don't want to race through uh, too much of that. Um, again, interests, law and military justice. Uh, we've got NATO hi highlighted there. I'm sorry, it goes quite far down here. Okay, so uh, Kip was, he goes on about how he was asked by British Columbians to organize and manage an effort to counter the official COVID-19 measures. This is going back to Ted a couple of months after you and I met, and we made the announcement on the steps of the art gallery saying we were going to proceed right. with this action. I was beating the pavement, going to every single rally outside of my comfort, comfort zone, raising the funds. And there he is now all of a sudden saying that people, nobody knew Nobody knew in the freedom movement even who he was. And uh, we were at one of the events and there was this sticker, just a little circle sticker that was being passed around after I just was asking, hey, we're doing a constitutional challenge. Please, please help us raise our funds. And it said constitutional challenge on the sticker. And when you went to it, it had a QR code and it was a GoFundMe account. So I went up to Danielle Pastilli, who I was just getting to know at the time. I never knew any of these people before this. And I said, this is not our action. And so she makes an announcement saying this is fraud. This isn't, you know, part of uh, Action for Canada's action. And somebody says, oh, no, no, this is Kip Warner's. And I said, why are you doing another legal action? Like, we've got Rocco. We're trying to do a constitutional challenge. And again, like I said, nobody knew who he was. Here again, on uh, one of his web pages, it says Open Power Foundation. And if you go to Open Power Foundation, here it is. It says uh, it lists Kip Warner. Again, you'll see Kip Warner, his theater, Cartagen AI business is listed again here on Open Power, Cartagen Theater. Uh, this is founded 2019. We're going to just keep scrolling down a little bit. We go to the Cartagen Theater. Again, Kipling Warner is listed. Machine learning and AI, again, all information. Now, where this comes into uh, relevance, and it's, ties, it's tied to the World Economic Forum, and IBM announced that the Open Power Foundation would become part of the Linux Foundation. As you scroll down, the Linux Foundation is right here on the World Economic Forum. Here again, Linux Foundation, you scroll down. If you go to the Linux Foundation, they're listed so far even with uh, posting the sustainable development goals. And so when my team discovered this in March of last year, as we were looking into moving forward um, with signing, I was going to be signing that affidavit as you did in the uh, case that Rocco was filing against Kip. And it was at that time, one of my team members had discovered that he's got AI experience. He's involved uh, with Linux. He's involved uh, with the WEF. And so it just brings into greater concern 
who it is that we're dealing with and why it is we're being attacked so profusely. Okay, um, so I think we're okay for a moment to stop sharing screen um, at this point. I guess maybe what we should do is instead, let me just, uh, sorry, I'm just going to pause for a minute. Uh, let me just add a couple of points yeah, while you're pausing. Add something, here, please you? do. So, yeah, so one of the things of note is that in Rocco's affidavit that they filed in the defamation case against Kip Warner, he he made all of the connections to Kip actually working for companies that work for the WEF, for the World Economic Forum. And at no time is, did uh, Kip Warner deny uh, or refute that claim that Rocco made. So I, I think there's fair basis to say that Kip Warner does work for the World Economic Forum. I think the other piece of, of, uh, of note that's worth considering here is that on December the 14th of 2020, uh, a lawyer reached out to Rocco and uh, asked if uh, uh, he would collaborate with her because of his expertise in constitutional law. And that lawyer that reached out to him is the lawyer that Kip Warner has used in his proceedings. And so Here's Kip Warner saying that Rocco is a fraud and uh, uh, is not a constitutional lawyer and is deceiving people. And yet his own lawyer uh, in December of 2020 reached out to Rocco to see if Rocco would collaborate with her. And she identified that uh, one of her clients is the Canadian Society for the Advancements of Science and Public Policy, which is Kip Warner. So you you start to see that there's something that doesn't uh, make sense here. Absolutely. Thank you for um, adding that. Okay, let's share screen again. And this is so the reason that really that was sort of broke the camel's back of why you and I are here today is Rocco had proceeded with the defamation case against Kip. It had gone before the courts. Could you correct me? Was it December or January that this was before the judge? You know, I'm I'm I'm. I can't speak to the exact date, Tanya. I don't know. Okay. All right. But the decision had come in January, and uh, Kip had put out this 20-page, 27-page report. And in the beginning, he starts with, I have some wonderful news. We would like to bring to your attention another recent victory and our opinions on it. Let me begin with a few housekeeping matters. If you were to sh- wish to share this or any other publication of ours with your peers, and you are by all means welcome to do so, uh, link to, otherwise we can copy. Okay, so today's update is inevitably going to cause as much intrigue and celebration as it might be cause for scandal, not our own, but for a small minority who may have gone to great lengths for several years to intentionally undermine the advocacy work we undertook on your behalf. Now, what I first want to say is he's celebrating way too soon because Rocco has already filed an appeal. And um, throughout this report, we're going to see that Kip picks and chooses his facts to create a narrative that will call into question the reliability and integrity of his victims, uh, because that's what he, you know, how I see it is he's trying to victimize individuals in his bullying tactics. He frames it as if he is doing a public service and is obligated to Mm -hmm. do so. I call him the master spin doctor, and therefore it's advisable to take what he says with a grain of salt. Reading, it is obvious that he had institutional help in collecting the information for this report and distorting it. And as I mentioned, Kip reports saying that this is a victory. However, Rocco has already filed an appeal. 
This case is referring to the defamation suit filed against him in response to years of Kip making defamatory and libelous statements, as well as Rocco finding out that Kip had expressed that he had a mission to get Rocco disbarred. And uh, we will be showing evidence of that and providing that information. This became not mere words, but a greater reality when Rocco was contacted by the Ontario Law Society and found out that Kip, along with the help of Richard Thomas and Gavin McKenzie, Gavin McKenzie is ex-treasurer of the Ontario Law Society, were behind coaching a woman, Donna Toes, to file a complaint against him, against Rocco. Rocco had no choice but to response. Kip also attempted to interfere with our attorney-client relationship by having people reach out to Ted and I early on and parenting Kip, Kip parroting Kip's fear-mongering and smearing, smear campaign against Rocco to try to get us to fire him. And as we go down this page, um, just back to the uh, screen here, it goes, he, he goes that several years to intentionally undermine the advocacy work that uh, Kip had undertaken. And... It's like how none of us, like I said, this is the first time that Ted and I are speaking out. So how could we intentionally undermine? We've had zero comments about what Kip Warner was doing as far as his legal action was concerned. Zero. I've never been on social media doing this. Ted hasn't. We, it's just been incredible. So he then says, uh, it certainly could have been shorter if we like he's talking about wow he's going into all this length to provide this report you might be wondering then why you're only coming to learn about this now and as if uh why kip hadn't told his followers that he had a defamation case against him by rocco people were chastising ted myself rocco saying you know why is there infighting in the freedom movement but there wasn't infighting on our side we stayed hands off on this. It was us being attacked. This is the um, proof from Richard Thomas, who is some fellow that lives here in Vancouver. He has maligned me and viciously attacked me. I, I don't think I've even ever met the man or had a conversation with him. And uh, Ted, why don't you talk about this? Because it's kind of interesting. The reason they were filing this complaint against the law society this donna toes was over apparently a thousand dollar donation she had given to you and a thousand dollar donation to me but they never came after me really because they never designated where she wanted that thousand dollar donation to go to so why don't you explain why i just think it's important for people to understand rocco didn't want to do this he was forced into a position where he needed to defend himself because he's not about to get disbarred well, you're talking about how Kip was, was coaching the people and Donald Hayes was one of them to file uh, a complaint with the Law Society against Rocco. And, and it was on the basis of, of this $1,000 donation to Vaccine Choice Canada. And to me, you know, she was alleging that Rocco owed her the money back. And <laughs> Rocco didn't have her money. We had her money. And if she wanted her money back, all she had to do is write to us and saying, listen, I've changed my mind. I no longer have confidence in your legal action or whatever. We would have gladly given the money back. And, and what it appears to me, it, it, this wasn't about the $1,000. This was about uh, a, another way of trying to discredit Rocco. And, and Rocco has talked about that, that, uh, you know, unfortunately, he said his biggest client right now is himself because he's had so many complaints filed with the law society against them 
But these are all complaints, not by, not by his clients. Uh, and so, to me, there, there's more than compelling evidence. This attack against Rocco, to me, is well-funded, well-organized. I had it suggested to me that the, the statements that Kip has provided is actually um, using AI intelligence. And I didn't realize Kip had an AI background, so it makes perfect sense that that uh, observation is, is accurate. And you have to ask, why, why is this man being uh, singled out for this kind of attack? And for me, the answer is because uh, the powers that be that are in charge of this uh, global agenda recognize that he is a legitimate threat. He, he understands the law. He argues persuasively. He had compelling evidence from world-class experts, he could have done serious damage to their narrative, and they had to find some way to disarm him, disable him, discredit him, and refuse to allow him to get in front of a judge. And right. um, I, I have no doubt in my mind that this is uh, an orchestrated attack. And, and what grieves me is that it's coming from somebody that purportedly is within the freedom movement. This is not a friend of the freedom movement, in my view. None of them are. None of them are. I mean, it says here, thanks for agreeing to help us help you. And, and you know, just knowing as well that the individual um, former treasurer was from the Law Society providing coaching and information to Donna. And I understand that Donna was also a volunteer at KIPP's organization. So I just don't even believe for a moment uh, that any of this is legitimate. Uh, this is just, again, more evidence of uh, that Rocco had submitted uh, about Donna as evidence uh, filing with the Ontario Law Society. And as you said, that uh, Rocco has been consistently at uh, the, the mercy of the Ontario Law Society. I had them down here. There's like a, a dozen... Uh, complaints against him and he, he warned the law society like they have a duty to protect lawyers against non nonsense uh, uh, um, complaints and that there was no nothing no grounding uh, to what had been uh, given there as evidence to move forward with this complaint it's been another waste of time and uh, so that's very upsetting to have had to go through this on a consistent basis for Rocco and he needs to put all of his efforts into the critical legal actions that are proceeding. Uh, Kip has spinned this defamation case against him as if he's this victim, as, he, as if he's being the one that's attacked. But he's the perpetrator. He's the one that initiated this. Um, he, yeah. You know, he's, he's yeah, looking at a pretty hefty bill if this appeal goes in Rocco's favor, and it really should. And we're going to show now about how Kip had actually lied under oath and that's the information i'm just going to go back up because this is uh the information here as giving evidence in a lee turner who is an amazing lawyer you and i both need know lee he is a very well respected lawyer and when rocco had filed uh, his affidavits and Kip in response had filed his affidavits. Kip had stated that Lee Turner had, uh, I forget the phrase of it, but had represented him. And I called Lee and I said, did you represent Kip Warner in, in, in any standing? And he, he was actually quite, he was not quite, he was very upset about it. And he says, no, adamantly, no, I did not. 
And I says, well, he's sworn an affidavit stating that you had he has client uh, uh, privilege with you, client solicitor privilege. And so uh, what it was is because he Lee had a texting with Kip where he was maligning not only Rocco, but another lawyer, Peter Gall, uh, who is fighting hard with cases here in B.C., and he goes, uh, Kip goes, as predicted, Peter, Peter Gall is a total waste of time and money. And Lee says, it's unfortunate that you took most of your time to criticize Peter Gall. I think your criticism was misdirected. I think your political correctness is misdirected, he said to Lee. Remember that you also defended Rocco Galati. Then Lee says, Kip, I don't know how suggesting we shouldn't be attacking each other when the court is the one deserving of criticisms is politically correct. I read the decision. Your arguments were rejected also. I didn't see that explained in your in, in your update. I wish you all the best and hope you succeed, as I do for everyone else who has the courage to stand up for the truth and freedom. Kip then says, we didn't have, an ar- have arguments, Lee. I already told you that. You already said you didn't watch any of the hearing. Go and order transcripts and read them for yourself. We are all being attacked when we're being robbed by Rocco's marketing arms. And this is significant because, again, trying to malign Rocco and give people the idea that Action for Canada, Vaccine Choice Canada are all raising money for Rocco. And and it's complete lies. Rocco is a serial con artist and fraudster. Peter Call is not as bad, but he is a grifter. The nurses are livid with him. Actually, so was Justice COVID. And he just goes on. And so this is the signed affidavit. And what happened is, is when this went to court, he also, Rocco had submitted a second sworn affidavit from a witness whom we know who had firsthand Kip had said to her that he advised her that his mission was to get Rocco disbarred. The judge struck the evidence from Mr. Turner as privileged. Kip claimed it was uh, uh, privileged. Uh, The judge said that he didn't have to decide on that information because it was submitted after the statement of claim. I think, Ted, you and I were just shocked to hear that you, I mean, it is, I'm just going to show the letter of the law here. Let me see where I've got it. Looks, let's look at section 131, perjury, sub to section to three. Everyone commits perjury who, with intent to mislead, makes before a person who is authorized by law to permit it to be made before him a false statement under oath or solemn affirmation. And I would 100% say that he has lied under oath. Why would Lee Turner, who knows the criminal code, risk his career and lie saying that he was there was no client solicitor privilege with Kip Warner if it wasn't for fact. Why wouldn't the judge take that very seriously instead of dismissing it? What, what's your comment on that? Were you sh- as shocked as well, I was? I, I think this is clear evidence here, both of uh, Kip's um, absolute lying, uh, dishonesty. Uh, he he suggest- The way he defended these... Uh, these text messages, which were entered as evidence, is that he had client solicitor privilege with Lee. And Lee said, you were never my client. We never had a, uh, 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 you, you never retained me as a lawyer. And the fact that the judge didn't uh, stand with that and, and, and hold Kip to account, 
uh, calls into question the integrity and the impartiality of this judge, which I, to me, when I see the abundance of evidence here of defamation, uh, I, I, I don't know why there isn't criminal charges laid against uh, Kip Warner. I, I agree. And um, you know what, Who's, who knows what's to come, but the cases are building. And, and talking about cases, I mean, let's just talk about Kip. I'm not sure if his avid followers know or not, but Kip had two of his petitions completely struck. Uh, there was one that was on uh, the healthcare workers petition was struck, as well as the injection passport petition was uh, struck for, due to lack of standing. And then uh, the actual cape, uh, case that Kip has that he's filed is a very narrow case built on a class action, built on exemptions. And uh, Rocco has, has never, ever supported anything that was involving an exemption, because if you think that you need to be exempt with, uh, from some Thing, then you're buying into the lie. We didn't have to be right. exempt from anything. It's the government that was in violation of our constitutional rights. And uh, anyways, he goes on to say about how people have been undermining him, failed to prevent us from delivering results. And that's why I say what results you've, you've already had your two petitions cast out. And all the way along, this, um, I don't know if you recall, his marketing strategy was great. He'd always say, oh, you know, he's going to have Bonnie Henry in the court for a week. And none of it ever happened. And uh, now what I want to get into is we're going to uh, talk about his uh, fundraising. Um, when he's when he's talking uh, in his, this report that he comes uh, out with, He's, he refers, he's referring to the war and what happened in World War II and how people came together and that there were all these bandits who would go in and steal and rob from, from you know, people who had lost their homes. And, you know, he said there's always, uh, on, on his own particip participation, said that it was the best ally London's crooks ever had. And what he was doing here is basically calling the rest of us crooks and bandits and uh, consistently has criticized A4C, VCC for raising money for legal actions because, but we, we knew the costs for the legal actions. And early on, he had, um, again, trying to undermine our fundraising, he was announcing you don't need a lawyer and you don't need more than $10,000 to do uh, a challenge. And this was... Uh, but it would appear that Kip was also aware of it. And in one of the comments he made, in the meantime, we would appreciate your donations to recover the costly expenditure of appealing the Chief Justice ruling. Uh, and let's take a look at where he is on this. This is Kip. This is his funding. $450,000 in his GoFundMe. It's reported that he has consistently, uh, people that are watching it have seen that it has, uh, you know, that the funds have gone up and then they've been depleted and then gone up. I guess he's, he's, uh, you know, having to cover costs for his actions. So he's already raised plus 450,000, but he also accepts donations via e-transfer, check, cash, and cryptocurrency. So I don't understand why Alexander Moore 
isn't talking about the donations and how they're being wasted here and people are uh, funding. I don't know if to call this fraud or not. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. But how can you be criticizing everybody else? And uh, really chummy here with Kid Carson, you know, talking about uh, the fundraising and then appealing for more money because he's had to, you know, go through these cases. And so while we're working hard to raise funds, for the legal action, this is the kind of messaging that Kip was sending out. I had people emailing Action for Canada two years ago, and I mean nasty. There's one gal that was texting me all the time, and I think she had donated some $50, some $500 demanding. I says, look, I'm not going to refund you. I'm not going to have this open a floodgate. I was The donations had slowed down because of what him and his little mob had been doing. We are proceeding as we had promised and guaranteed you. We're moving forward with our action. Um, so let me just, uh, I've got some notes here. Note our case is not a class, a class action and he is not providing the facts about filing similar cases, not being able to proceed. He was saying to, actually, can you t- tell that um, story, uh, Ted, if you'll remember now going back to 2021, Kip had come in, he was trying to undermine, he'd emailed Kip, uh, Dan Dix, uh, Dan had reached out to me and said, Tanya, can you respond to this? I didn't really know Dan Dix very well just from meeting him. He was an awesome independent reporter. He does amazing work. And so Kip had sent him these very defamatory comments about Rocco looking for a reaction. And I sent it to Rocco right away because I'm like, what is this? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was invited back in June, June 17th of 2021 to a conversation with with uh, Kip Warner, uh, Vlad had invited me to meet with him, which I did. I was more than willing to do that. And in that conversation, uh, Kip Warner was trying to convince me that Rocco couldn't file action in BC because he had filed first, and that uh, all of the donations that went to Action for Canada, that Rocco would have to return them to all the donors. And I was trying to explain to Kip Warner that Rocco hasn't filed a class action. He's filing a constitutional challenge. He has every right to file a constitutional challenge on behalf of Action for Canada. And Kip Warner kept telling me that I was wrong and he was right. And I said, you don't understand the law and you don't understand the kind of action that uh, Action for Canada has retained Rocco for. And, and it was, I, I probably spent, well, it was a, a 90 minute conversation uh, there were a number of other items that he raised that he was uh, inaccurate about uh, in, in his claims against Rocco. He had a section on his website about why I don't work with Rocco Pilati, which uh, included in, in, in not only uh, statements that were incorrect, but statements that were defamatory. And I said, Kip, can I advise you to stay in your lane, focus on your claim, do good work, God bless you. I hope you're successful, but stop attacking my warrior. And he basically said it was his duty to take down Rocco Pilati. And this was back in June of 2021. So very early in this process, uh, he had his sights on Rocco Pilati. And and to me, you have to ask the question why. And I've alluded to a number of times why I think Rocco was the target. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm just going to share screen for one more moment and um, then we'll probably work to, I'll just super just scroll down. Uh, One thing I want to point out as well that I really found of interest 
regarding his GoFundMe. Uh, GoFundMe, I had started a GoFundMe in September of 2020 in order to raise the funds. And by February of 2022, GoFundMe had canceled uh, censored action for Canada. Other, everybody else I know in the freedom movement has been censored by GoFundMe. The truckers convoy censored by GoFundMe turned down. Why is it that Kip Warner still has an account on GoFundMe? How does that, it's just a little point of interest uh, that makes you go, hmm, right? All right. So just for a moment, this is back to Kip's report. As you can see why Ted and I and Rocco, we haven't had the time to, we haven't taken the time because it's such a distraction what this individual has been doing to us in the background and the lies. Uh, the spin doctor is what I call him, as well as Alexander Moore. And I want to point out a couple of uh, other people who have been in the background just saying, oh, you know, there's no integrity in the fundraising. How much have you raised? Why isn't it on your fund, uh, your page? Action for Canada files with Corporation Canada every single year. And in fact, last year, it was our biggest, uh, in 2022, was our biggest fundraising um, time because we weren't just doing the legal action with Rocco. I have another cases and things that I'm got going on in the background that strategy-wise I'll announce when we're ready to do that. Um, but anyways, it, it, it ended up that the, one of the new gals working with us had filed our general ledger. <laughs> and we asked uh, Corporation Canada, please you know, bring that down. It wasn't meant to. I don't care about it being out there, but it had sensitive material about who our team members were and information about them. We've always filed with Corporations Canada, so what, it wasn't about the month. Canadian Anti-Hate Network gets a hold of it. Uh, they wouldn't take it down. I think there was something nefarious going on with Corporations Canada. Uh, very possibly they got a hold of uh, Canadian Anti-Hate Network, and then they were going to do this big hit piece on Action for Canada. Well, we're spending the money as if it's our own. And our team, uh, our national team, nobody, we, ha we have no payroll here. And they get paid a very small stipend on the core team, this small team that are working 40, 60 hours a week for all of you. For pittance, I've never taken anything. I took a small stipend last year. And as of now, uh, this year, um, I'm in a position where I need to take a small stipend. But we're shedding like blood, sweat and tears over this for Canadians. And this peanut gallery is consistently, you know, attacking us. He goes on to say things like grassroots crime. Uh, enabled by chaos is a pattern that has repeated itself in many other events, man-made and natural. And so what I'm going to uh, provide right now is this is Vlad from Hugs Over Mask. Um, Vlad is uh, would do a Friday night blog and he'd start attacking and maligning Rocco along with this, she calls herself sunshiny uh, Yvonne Sunshiny something or rather, and this is uh, James Davison. And uh, again, they would go on trying to give the impression that we, you know, were not uh, transparent. Uh, some of them would say, like, I'm talking about almost like uh, juvenile delinquents that were in high school, just bullies, saying that Rocco and I were running away together. I mean, maligning, vicious kind of comments that, you know, were offensive. And, uh, you know, we are working at the level uh, with dignitaries, we're working with government, we're making a difference. As I had already shown you, uh, Ted is with the NCI, National Citizens Inquiry, as chairman. He has given blood, sweat and tears as well to that. 
I've already shown you what Action for Canada is doing. There's so many more plans. And these people, all they have sat is done in the background, along with this individual, Susan Stanfield. Uh, so as soon as she saw that Ted and I were coming on the show, as soon as she saw the report, I saw um, interaction that she was having. And again, just inserting herself. She doesn't even live in Canada anymore. She donated $200 and we're very grateful to that. So selling teacher t-shirts for our um, uh, original action. And it just is a matter that uh, now she inserts herself. She lives somewhere in, in Europe. Uh, I don't know that she's done anything significant to help Canadians. She's reported, I guess she's got a blog, but she is one of those people saying, mm, you know, I'm just asking questions that I think everybody deserves an answer to and much suspicion here. And just that little bubbling, that little gossip underneath to create, you know, this division and attack towards good people like Ted and myself who are actually making a difference and working really hard. So I'm not going to remain focused on them. Um, but uh, I'll just go back to this report for a moment. But Ted, there was something that you and I also regarding the funding want to make abundantly clear to everyone that um, Rocco, uh, they would say the, the phrase that Kip and others have been using as that, Rocco's fundraising arm. Are you a fundraising arm of Rock, no. Rocco Galati, Ted? I, I, I raised funds for Vaccine Choice Canada. Uh, and part of our work was a legal action and we retained Rocco. Um, but right. the, there's a complete separation between Rocco Galati's law firm and Vaccine Choice Canada. He doesn't know who our donors are. He doesn't receive the funds we do. Uh, and uh, Rock was in charge of his own uh, uh, efforts to raise funds for, for the Constitutional Rights Center, which is a very uh, important institution in Canada and should be funded by Canadians. Yeah, I mean, this has had such negative effects and impacts on your organization and mine, and certainly with Rocco, uh, you know, who needs to have more staff on hand. It's diabolical. And it's just really important for me to clarify huh. that A for C and BCC are not and never have been funding arms for Rocco Galati, as alleged. A for C and Vaccine Choice Canada are running large organizations. And naturally, we must raise additional funds to keep us operating. We are very grateful for the donations we receive from our faithful members and supporters. In addition to A for C's operating costs, we also use funds raised to help with other numerous and effective campaigns that we're running nationwide. Like I said, stopping the sexualization of our children, 15-minute cities, and so much more, including developing our chapters. Rocco's defamation case against Kip Warner and Alexander Moore have nothing to do with A4C or VCC, and no funds raised by us have been used for these actions. Rocco has had to foot the bill for those costs for the actions against these individuals himself, which is is absolutely horrendous. He should be reimbursed for his time and his costs. And it has been reported uh, that Kip's GoFundMe at times, as I says, has come and gone. You've seen the money that he's got in there. And um, so that's all the time that I'm going to give in addressing that. Ted, did you have something else that you wanted to add to that before we get close to wrapping up here? No, I, I think you've covered the details. Uh, uh... Well, Tanya, I, I, I go back to the statement I made. Morocco deserves our gratitude. 
This yep. man has dedicated his career to the rule of law, to protecting our charter rights and freedoms. And, uh, you know, I saw someone in the chat say that when you're being attacked, it means you're over your target. And uh, I, that's probably the greatest uh, uh, honoring that we can give to Rocco is to say because he's being attacked, it's because he is over the target. And the other comment I want to make is you started uh, this evening before we began this conversation uh, with, with some words about liars and those that commit fraud. And I think you're, those were wise words that uh, would bear repeating because uh, I, I think they um, we need to recognize that there are those among us who are not telling the truth and they're not on our side. They're not. And it's, you know, it was, I got to say, it was horrible for me to even have to address this tonight. Uh, there's something I'm going to, I'm going to make one final statement. It is in Rocco's affidavit. And these are his words. He goes, finally, his conduct referring to Kip, if not corrected by the courts as falling outside the protected realm of public interest, brings the administration of the legal profession and justice into disrepute. Such mm -hmm. conduct has no public interest. In fact, it is antimetrical to public interest in deliberately targeting and attacking a lawyer for his representing the interests of his clients on his client's instructions and satisfaction and confidence. Mr. Warner's only interest is to see that I, Rocco, as a lawyer, endure the baseless stigma of unprofessionalism as well as suffer financial loss. And it is time to bring this to an end. And as I said at the beginning, Ted, it brought us no pleasure to be addressing this, but I really believe it comes to a point now where the citizens that are listening to these individuals uh, deserve an explanation. I didn't want to just go in with an explanation of he said, she said, but I wanted to provide the evidence. I've tried to do this very thoughtfully. Uh, you and I were in communication, you know, before presenting tonight. And I am just sitting here waiting for the phone to ring because I'm overdue to be a grandma. <laughs> I've got, I've I, got I so many I, better questions things. in the chat. <laughs> okay, I've got so many better things to be doing than, and than being here and to be focused on. But okay, so if you saw a couple of things in the uh, chat, let's do that. Do you see uh, anybody help us out well, here? Well, all right. Well, they're all asking about whether you're a grandmother, so. Oh, is that what they're saying? <laughs> I didn't know if there's any questions about if you did have a question for Ted or I right now, please put it in the Q&A section in the Zoom because I haven't even looked at the chat. I hope that we've done a good service to all of you. I, I know I have nothing to apologize for, nor do you, Ted. We are serving this country. We are committed to doing this until none of our rights are in question anymore, until those who um, are guilty are held accountable for their actions. And, and so, yes. So um, as of Thursday last week, uh, was, was the due date. And so we're just waiting any day, any time now. I'm probably going to go to an appointment tomorrow morning to do a, a little, uh, what do you call that, with the, uh, oh, to scan, to see, to see the beep. Ultrasound, thank you. And uh, very, very excited, you know, about that process. So we're going to put this all behind us. If anybody comes at us, we're not going to acknowledge you at all. Moving forward, and uh, Ted, what would you like to say well, in closing? I, I think one of the actions maybe that we could ask people to do, Tanya, is to send a message to Rocco and express yes. our gratitude to him. 
Um, yes. You know, I, I think this has beaten him up. He's dedicated his life to this, to the rule of law and to be, uh, you know, to be showing such disrespect at this stage of his career. Um, it, it grieves me deeply for, for this man. Um, you know, those of us that have worked with him closely, we know his dedication, his passion, his sacrifice. People have no idea the kind of retainer that he um, agreed to do this work for us. You know, he, he, he's very dedicated to it, but he also said to me, Ted, I have to tell you honestly that this was the worst financial decision I made in my life was to take the case for, for vaccine choice care. And, uh, and all I can do is say, I'm grateful to you for, um, for your service. I, I wish you didn't have to sacrifice as much as you've had. Um, you know, he, he, I, I hope one day that all of this uh, evil is defeated and we celebrate these warriors and acknowledge who they are and give them their due. And uh, Rocco is on the top of my list. Absolutely. And Ted, you're up there too, because, you know, uh, COVID was not the beginning of your journey. Uh, you went through great uh, pain that started your journey with your son and the vaccine injury. Rocco's son as well is vaccine injured. Uh, it was ridiculous in Kip's report or somebody's report to say, oh, he's triple jabbed and how could give your head a shake. He's not triple jabbed. Uh, he's been on the front line fighting this and trying to help save lives. And I mean, not only that, but when he went into the hospital in December of 2020 out, uh, 2021, he was literally fighting for his life. His recovery has been long. Um, he is still struggling and suffering physically because of it. He's exhausted. And as Ted said, he needs our support. Ted and I need your support. Give Ted support. Hoorahs to you, Ted. I love that I've met you, that we've partnered in this for so many years. You are going to be on the front line there with me as we're celebrating every single win along the way. So I just thank you. Please keep up the good work. And it can't be so long before we have the have you on the show again. <laughs> uh, I'd like that. So let's do that. Right. Uh, and particularly thank if you. we get to celebrate. So Absolutely. Okay. Just God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Whew. All right. Um, yeah, I mentioned that this was going to be uh, a big one, and uh, but I believe it was necessary. I'm grateful. Like I say, I was sad. I, I make it a very good point not to talk about organizations or people in public or behind their back. But I think that, you know, if you're going to go out and, and um, you're going to attack and harm and hurt people, because by doing this, by deceiving people, you're hurting our friends in the freedom movement. You're hurting everyone that we're fighting for. Okay, and uh, so for As for Action for Canada as well, uh, there are other cases that I want to move forward with Rocco. We um, have got to fight the comprehensive sexuality education. We've got to fight the government on this there. We've been very strategic in the background, what Action for Canada has been doing against uh, school boards and trustees and uh, getting information together. We know that we have mass immigration. You know, we're talking about a moratorium on immigration as well as UNDRIP. And in British Columbia, uh, they seem to be frontlining this, maybe testing the waters, but you know what? They're not getting smacked down and into position. And if nobody is going to oppose this, then they're just going to carry on. And the BC government, David Eby, this is corruption at the greatest level. These are globalists. Um, in my opinion, they're, you know, um, committing treason 
against the citizens of this nation. Uh, UNDRIP is tied to uh, Agenda 2021-2030, the land grab, but they're using the natives. So people will say, oh, you're attacking the indigenous people or the natives. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm fighting on behalf of them because there is no way that this uh, land transfer, this 90% of our public land now supposedly is uh, being handed over to the indigenous. It's unlawful. It's in violation of our constitution. And if you care about the rest of Canada, you're going to help me fight this. All right. So we got big actions. I literally, and I'm not lying about this. I need to raise millions of dollars in order to move forward in, in commencing these actions. And I need your confidence. I need your faith in us in order to do that. And we need to get our borders shut down. We need to stop individuals from coming into this country that pose us a significant threat. And that's a subject that I've been working on pre-COVID. Take a look at Sweden, take a look at Europe and the UK, and especially London, where these individuals have come in, infiltrated, and are trying to take over. We have an opportunity to put a stop to so much of this in Canada. Anyways, okay, let's talk about next week's guest. Next week, we have Dr. Miriam Grossman coming on. She is a phenomenal lady. She is a psychiatrist. She has been on the front line for many years fighting against the sexualization of our children and the gender affirming medical mutilation of our children. All right. So you don't want to miss that show. I think that I always say knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to share it. We got to be knowledgeable about what they're doing to our kids. We shouldn't just be outraged about these pornographic sexual books that are in the school system. We have to be outraged also about the mutilation of our children. And that's why I say we need more from our premiers. We need more from our elected uh, officials to speak out and be bold say mutilation is against the law in this country. When you are removing healthy breasts, when you are removing male's penis, that is mutilation. There's no going back on that. That's life transformation. This is not emo. This is not like a fad where kids are coloring their hair black and their fingernails, but this is serious stuff. Okay. So join us next week with Dr. Miriam Grossman. I'm going to close off with several Bible verses because I think we need a little bit of a hearing from the Lord at this point. And uh, this is biblical. So Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. And we've heard about people who are sowing discord among brothers and sisters. Haven't we heard about that tonight? And so on that, what do we need to do if we call these individuals our enemy? The next verse is from Matthew five forty-three to 44. It says, love your enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your enemy and sorry, love your neighbor, sorry, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So even right now, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for Kip Warner. I pray for Richard. I pray for Vlad. Vlad I pray for Yvonne. 
I pray for Susan. I pray for uh, James. I pray for everybody, Lord, that has found it within their hearts to attack Rocco. I pray that you would cut that off this very day, Lord Jesus, and that we would move forward without this burden uh, and this nasty attack, this evil demonic attack, nipping at our heels constantly. We just come against it, Lord, and we pray for our enemy, and we pray that you put a stop to this. So thank you for that, Lord. And then in closing, I love this verse. It's Amos 5, 14 to 15. It says, seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts will be with you as you say, hate evil, love good and establish justice in the courts. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph but let justice roll on like rivers and righteousness like a mighty stream. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for joining us tonight. As I said, I hope that this message tonight is going to be helpful to just dissolve all of the lies and the misinformation and the deceit and just to continue to build your trust in Action for Canada, um, our partner, uh, in, in all of this, Ted Koontz is an amazing, loving individual and our good friend Rocco Galati. And so to all of you, I hope to see you next week. I'm going to be a grandma by next week. All right. I'm going to be celebrating with you. So God bless you and God bless Canada.